Today, we're going to be looking at a Bible study, a very practical Bible study, as we look at walking with Jesus through final events. I've been excited about the series that our senior pastor has been leading us through with the events that have been revealed to us in Scripture and in the spirit of prophecy as we look forward to what's ahead of us. God doesn't reveal information if it's not important for us to know. Amen? He, he reveals things that he wants us to know. But I think it's also important on a practical level to realize that he is going to be with us and wants us to walk with him through all of these events. And so he will provide for whatever needs we might have that will arise due to these final events, some of which are very serious, life-threatening events. And so today, very simple message, but I hope intensely practical as we open and look at our Bibles about what Jesus can do and wants to do in your life and in my life today as events are unfolding and going forward into the future. But if you'll just bow your heads with me, I'm going to have a short prayer before we launch into our study. My Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of preaching and of speaking to your people uh, who have come to hear a word from you. And so I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and that the words that I say would only be your words that would inspire and quicken our hearts, our minds, our faith would be strengthened, and our connection with Jesus would be more vitalized, more vigorous than before we came today. And I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. You know, thermometers have been popular here lately, haven't they? All kinds of thermometers with the pandemic. But what is our spiritual thermometer? As we look at the condition of where we are, the picture that's painted in Revelation chapter 3, the seventh of the, the seven churches, the final church that is to be on the earth until the Lord comes, gives a picture that our faith is very weak. Our self-sufficiency and trust in ourselves is very strong. By contrast, not so good either. And then third and final, Jesus is described as being where? As being outside the door of our hearts not only wanting to come in, but patiently waiting, waiting for us to choose to allow him to come in. It's entirely our decision. Jesus never brings a SWAT team and kicks the door down. He waits for our power of choice and respects that so much. What does this church, Laodicea, in a general sense, need? Three things that are mentioned here in verse 18, gold tried in the fire. We understand that that is a faith that is motivated and driven by love, faith that works by love. First Peter 1, 7, that your faith being more precious than fine gold uh, as it's tried in the fire. And Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that matters with Jesus is faith which works by love. In other words, the motivation for faith and believing in God is love. And then we have white raiment. What is this white raiment? I think you know these things. Christ's glorious righteousness you know, in the Bible, garments are likened unto character, and filthy garments in Isaiah 65 are likened to filthy character. All our righteousness is filthy rags, but then pure garments. Isaiah 61 verse 10 talks about being clothed with the garments of salvation and the robe of Christ's righteousness, and that is not just something that is a one point in time that we receive. It is a daily experience I believe that empowers us to live a godly and holy life. Did you know that? Are you aware that Christ's righteousness 
It is a continuing, ongoing empowerment to do the will of God. And so that is a a vital need for all of us. And then third and finally, Laodicea is counseled to anoint their eyes with eye salve that they might see. And this is a relation to spiritual discernment, which is, of course, directly related to the Holy Spirit. We must have the Holy Spirit if we are to be Christ's children and to be his followers, our greatest need. We studied that this morning in the youth Sabbath school lesson. That was our focus in the class was on the gift of the Holy Spirit and how God is more willing and more anxious to give this gift, which brings with it all other gifts and its train than our parents to give good gifts to their children. So we absolutely need that. Well, let's just discuss for a moment or consider, what if I try to go it on my own and just do it my way? Maybe as Frank Sinatra sang, that's not a good idea. What does the scripture tell us? Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seems right unto a man or a woman, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It might seem right if I follow my own reckoning apart from God, but the end result is only the loss of my salvation, the loss of my soul. So that's not good. Jesus makes it clear, John 15, 5, apart from him, how much can we do? Can I do anything? So a connection with him is of the highest importance. A connection not only for forgiveness and for repentance and for sanctification and those things, but a connection with him that relates into the daily life, the practical decisions and choices and experiences that we have on a daily basis. So as I thought and considered the message for today, I was down on my knees with my face on the floor early in the week, pleading with the Lord, what can I say to your people that will encourage and inspire and equip and prepare them for the time that we're living in now and what is to come very soon, probably sooner than most of us, maybe all of us even imagine or realize. And so walking with Jesus is of the greatest importance and we want to learn to develop and cultivate and strengthen that even now today here this morning. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible says, Can two walk together except they what? Be agreed. Short verse, easy. What does walking relate to in the Bible? It refers to our conduct, our behavior, our actions. If I want to walk this way and act and go over this direction, and my wife wants to walk over this direction and go another way, how can we walk together unless we both agree we're going to go this way? Oh, yes, dear. We're going to go where you want to go. We're going to go this way, sometimes maybe where I want to go. But the same with Jesus as with in our own relationships. We must be in agreement with him and his will for our lives. What does it mean to walk with Jesus? He said to his disciples and those that were listening to him in Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross how often? Daily. There's a key. That's the key word. I see it in that verse. Daily. It's a daily experience of taking up my cross. And then what does Jesus give as an invitation? And follow me. That is the invitation this morning for all of us. And Jesus lays down the prerequisites for what he wants us to do. To follow after him, take up our cross, self-denial. A cross is used to execute someone. If I take up my cross, it is for my own execution that I would die to self and my selfishness and selfish ways and self-sufficiency and submit and trust fully and completely into Jesus' hands and to follow him. The call is given in 1 Peter 2.21. It says, 
that Jesus has given us an example that we should follow his steps. To follow after him is to walk with him in all that we do. Justin, again, thank you for reading that scripture so well. This is a very powerful passage today that is the anchor and the foundation for what we're looking at. We're going to look at five areas that I have just thought and identified as problems or fears or concerns that we all face and how Jesus meets those as we walk with him. So, very important. But this passage here, I want to encourage you to, to memorize this. There's just there's so many pieces and sub-pieces and connections here. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Just notice that God doesn't work on the principle of addition. It's on multiplication. We have a math teacher here, right? Johannes, you teach math. Multiplication grows much more exponentially rapidly than just simple addition. God wants us to have these needed characteristics and things that he offers. Grace, power, and peace. Peace of mind. We need that so much. Multiplied unto you. Now notice how it comes through, this is the vehicle, through the knowledge of God. A knowledge of who he is and what he says and what he tells us. And of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then I love verse 3. According as his. Who is the his? It is God, his divine power, his divine power has given to us how much? All things, all things, nothing is missing that you need. Are you aware of that? Nothing that you need for this life or in the life to come is missing that God has not granted and given to you. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Godliness refers to godlikeness, the ability to have his character His love and his mercy shine forth in our lives. All things that pertain to life and godliness. And notice how this comes through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. And so today I want it to be clear that God has provided for us all of what we need. And we must walk with Jesus to have those connections to receive what he promises to us. So first problem that I identified, many of us have fear, depression, and anxiety. Newspaper headline from uh, several days ago says the pandemic-related anxiety and depression still on the rise. And we know things are, because of the events that we see coming, are only going to get much worse. But fear and depression, that is a, that's a serious thing. Maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm going to just preach to myself today and you guys can eavesdrop. But we have a tendency to become fearful and worried as we think about the future at times. But I want it to be clear, when we walk with Jesus, number one, Jesus can take away fear and anxiety and worry. It's very clear. He says in Joshua 1 verse 9, Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. And then what is the next phrase? Jesus himself, God is saying, Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, Why? Here's the reason why. It's not just, hey, don't fear. Okay, I'll try not to. It's because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The promise of his abiding and continuing presence to be with us. That's why there's no need to fear. Because he is with us if we realize and recognize what he wants to do for us. And uh, the last verse on there, on this list of things, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it makes it emphatic. This is in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. If I have a spirit of fear, it didn't come from God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
And so fear is not something that God wants or desires us to have. Fear is really the opposite of trust and, and assurance that Jesus wants us to have. Matthew 10, 28, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and fear not them which kill the body. A lot of people out there today, uh, a lot of violence out there today, a lot of concerns with violence all around, even in our own country that used to be so peacefully safe. But, but Jesus says, do not fear those who can kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's only one being that can do that, and that is God himself. Fear God and give glory to him. That's what we're com- commanded to do in the first angel's message, a reverence and regard for him. But we're not supposed to be afraid of those who seek to kill our physical bodies. Even though it might seem scary, we are not to be afraid. Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. David's writing this psalm, and he asks the question, whom shall I fear? Why? If the Lord is my light and my salvation, as I pray and hope he is for each one of us, there is no one that we should fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who shall I be afraid of? So God takes away fear and anxiety and worry if we are connected and walking with him. Problem number two. But pastor, things are going to get serious and my life is going to be in danger and peril. John 16, verse 2, Jesus says, They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will actually think that he is doing God a service. That's a scary thought. And Jesus himself is letting us know this, that a time is coming when that will be the case. And so our lives will be in danger and peril. And this is, I know, connected to uh, being afraid and worrying. But what about it? What uh, what should I, and this is really under the, should be under the heading of protection, a need for protection. That's a basic human need uh, that we all have. Can Jesus protect us? All right, good. I know normally I, I talk beyond and too fast, but I'm going to try to slow it down and give you a chance to actually respond. Jesus can protect us from any and all danger. Notice a few passages. We have this in Scripture, Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a what? A strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and what? And is safe. Does God lie? He cannot lie. There is the guarantee and the promise of protection from God. God is our refuge and strength. A very, what kind of help? Present help in trouble. Right when you need it most, he promises to help you. And give just what is needed for whatever that situation is. And then uh, I would encourage you, if you have not, I'm sure, I know many of you have memorized Psalm 91, but that is a psalm of deliverance and a special psalm of protection that we are counseled and advised in Spirit of Prophecy we would do well to memorize because it has so many promises and so many guarantees of God's watch, care, and protection. And it begins by saying, He or she that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, abiding under His wings. And there's no safer place to be in the universe than under His wings. And that kind of idea comes in in verse 4. Shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. What are some examples in the Bible? You know, uh, back in Elisha's day, 
Uh, we actually read this story in our, our youth Sabbath school class this morning about the Syrian army that was attacking and seeking to invade Israel. And they were mad at the prophet Elisha because Elisha was revealing all of the plans of the king of Syria to to the Israelites so that they could know what he was doing and be prepared and protected from him. And so when he found out that he was in Dothan, he sends this huge army to go and capture one person, the prophet of God. And early the next morning, Elisha's servant gets up and uh, he sees this vast army surrounding the whole city. And he's like, my Lord, what are we going to do? And I love what Elisha says here in 2 Kings 6 verse 16, fear not, connected to not being afraid, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And then in the next verse, Elisha prays that the Lord would open the eyes of his servant so that he could see and have discernment to what was really there because Elisha trusted in the the angels and the protection of the Lord. And so there were chariots of fire all around, not only the city, the whole mountains all around, and uh, so we have nothing to fear. What about David and Goliath? That's a story we all know from, from very young age. You know, young David, as Goliath was threatening and taunting all the whole camp of Israel, and they're all on sides. You've got one side with the Israelites and one side with the Philistines and this vast valley or plain in between, and, and no one is willing to take him on except for this young boy. And based on the best I can tell, David was about 15 years old. Is there anyone in here 15? 15 years old? Uh, all right, yes, one up in the balcony, Braden, uh, 15 years old, when he had the courage and the fortitude, not because he was just tough and strong by himself, but because he knew and understood the power of God. Look what he says in 1 Samuel 17, 47, speaking directly to Goliath. He says, in all this, this, this assembly today, all the people gathered here shall know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear. Why? For the battle is, or the battle belongs to the Lord. And he goes on and says, and he, the Lord, will give you, Goliath, into our hands. And so what boldness. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's not dependent on, on swords and spears and bullets and flamethrowers and, and any other kind of earthly weapons. He is in charge. He can defeat and, and, and protect us from any harm or any danger. Here's one directly related to the time of trouble. Psalm 27, verse 5, it says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion." In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Brothers and sisters, I believe that rock is Jesus Christ. The foundation, no surer foundation than Jesus. But the promise of protection in that time is given to us. Isaiah 43, verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. That's key. We're talking about walking with Jesus in a practical way. So Jesus is with us when we go through these hardships. And here is specifically mentioning, you know, examples of hardships and and trials that might be brought to us. Passing through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And then notice this next one, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah 43 verse 2, prophets and kings says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had read and were familiar with this verse Isaiah was writing about a hundred years before Daniel and Ezekiel and the Babylonian captivity. And they knew this verse right here that we're looking at today, many hundreds and even thousands of years later, and that's what gave them the courage to stand up to Nebuchadnezzar and the fiery furnace. 
And so notice carefully, Jesus was with his faithful followers in the fiery furnace. He didn't spare them from the fiery furnace, but he was with them in it. And then if we move to the New Testament, Jesus was with his disciples through the storm. He was in the boat with them, even though they pushed the panic button and were trying to bail water out and were, were, were panicking wildly, even with Jesus right there with him, because they were not trusting in his ability and power to protect them. Now, someone's going to say correctly, but wait a minute, pastor, wait a minute, protection, is it a 100% guarantee? Well, in a sense, yes, because only, you know, when our lives are, are connected to Jesus, we have the certainty of eternal life. But the, the temporal life, this, this body, you know, the Lord, there are martyrs who have given up their lives and sacrificed their bodies to stand for the truth, to stand for what they believed in, in their relationship with Jesus. The very first murder, Cain slew his brother Abel, uh, simply because Abel offered a sacrifice that was accepted before God, and, and Cain got mad and angry about it, and went over and, and committed the very first murder. Why didn't God protect Abel? What about John the Baptist? I just read this chapter in Desire of Ages this week about John the Baptist, and uh, very powerful that he was there in prison for a long time, and that he was really beginning to struggle and, and have some challenges with, with, with thoughts that the devil was trying to put in his mind about doubts. And even the other disciples who were not in the prison were wondering, why doesn't Jesus work a miracle and set free his forerunner, the one who proclaimed the coming of the Messiah? Why doesn't he do something? He's walking on her. He's right nearby. Why doesn't he do something? But yet John the Baptist was allowed to seal his testimony with his very life and remain faithful to God. What about the stoning of Stephen? I mean, there's examples that go on and on and on, even to the, the Reformation and, and so on. But I want to share this statement from Desire of Ages uh, from the chapter about the death of John the Baptist. And here's why God allows these things. We have eternal protection. That's what matters most. So that is a guarantee. It says God never leads his children otherwise than they would what? Never. That's a, that's a strong qualifying word in this, this sentence. God never, ever, ever leads you or me in any other path or direction than we would not choose to be led if we could see the end and what that will lead to from the beginning, why God is leading us in that path, and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. Not Enoch, who was translated to heaven, not Elijah, who ascended in a chariot of fire, was greater or more honored than John the Baptist who perished alone by himself in the dungeon. And then it continues, the last part of that paragraph, page 224. Unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And then here's the commentary. And of all the gifts that heaven can bestow upon men, men and women, humanity, fellowship with Christ in his sufferings is the most weighty trust and the highest honor. May God help us to have a trust in him that even if he chooses to allow us to, to, to suffer a martyr's death, that we will remain faithful and true to him because he has always been faithful to me and has always been faithful to us. That our testimony of, of sacrificing our lives, you know, all the disciples, all 12 of the disciples, with the exception of John, who was exiled to Patmos after being placed in a, a vat of boiling oil, all the disciples died a martyr's death. 
And you can look at that and wonder why, why, why did God allow that to happen? But it shows, I believe, the conviction and the depth of trust that they had in the message and their love for Jesus. They're willing to, to give all for him, to sacrifice all. The protection of the eternal life is there, but this mortal body, maybe God will see fit to allow us to, to, to die on this earth, or maybe not. But if we walk with him, he will protect us. Problem number three, I'm unsure about many decisions. I talk with a lot of people, and there are lots of questions out there, a lot of perplexing questions. What should I be doing now? I know these events are coming. Should I flee to the mountains? Should I flee to the countryside? How should I be spending my money? How should I be investing my money? What should I be doing? Should I be stockpiling food, supplies? What, what should I do? I don't know. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I start looking for land out here? What, all these questions, and, and they come at us, but yet the solution is that Jesus can and will give us wisdom, and he promises over and over that he will direct our paths, the course of our lives. And so when we know what he promises us, there's no need to fret. There's no need to worry because we just rely and claim the promises that he's given to us in his word. This is Pastor Wright's favorite Bible verse. At least it's one that he told me some time ago. It's one of my favorites as well. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. How? Here is the condition to the promise. It, the, the condition is that I would trust completely and entirely with all of my heart. Not wavering not in a double-minded way, but in a complete way, trusting God with all my heart, and the other condition is not leaning to my own understanding. Oof, that's hard to do. Don't lean to my own, and why, why should I lean to my own understanding? Because what does God say? My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so high and so different are my ways from your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's how much of a difference there is, from as high as the heaven is. And so uh, to trust God and not lean to my own ways, which only lead to death, according to what we read earlier in Proverbs 16, 25, but to acknowledge God, all of my land is yours. All of my house, my belongings are yours, O Lord. My wallet is yours. My, my time is yours. What would you like for me to do? And he shall direct your paths. He's not gonna hide his will from you. If you're asking and seeking to know that will, he's gonna let you know. He will definitely let you know. And then Psalm 25, 4 and 5, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths and lead me in thy truth. Uh, and it goes on and says, For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I do, do what? I wait all the day. So there is a waiting on the Lord for him to reveal and to show his plans and his purposes to us. And he will do it. Why, does, uh, why do we not have these answer to many of these questions. If we just look at what the, the scriptures tell us here in James, ye have not because ye ask not. And yet, backing up even before you know, James wrote his apostle to the time of Jesus, Matthew 7, 7, that's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus emphatically says, ask and it shall be given you. But to ask means that's proactive. That's something that I must choose to do in choosing to ask, it's choosing to recognize that God is the one who can provide what I need, the answers to whatever it is, the decision or the choice that I need to make. But it's there. He invites us to ask because it's important for me to realize that only he can give me the answer. I'm not just figuring it out on my own apart from him. I'm asking and therefore he can answer in a way that will be clear that he is the one 
through his providence, through his word, and through the guiding and leading and prompting of his Holy Spirit, that he has answered. He will make that clear. Notice how long the Lord promises to guide us. All these are just right in the Bible. We're just reading Bible verses today about what God has said to us. Isaiah 58 has particular force and meaning, we know, for the time we're living in and the work that should be done, medical missionary work. Isaiah 58, and right near the end of that chapter, uh, in verse 11, the promise is given, and the Lord shall guide thee, how? Continually. Is there a stopping and starting in continually? No, it's continually. He will guide you and lead you if we're asking and seeking for him to do so. And it goes on and talks about he will satisfy our soul in drought, make fat thy bones. All of those are the provisions that he will provide for us. So we're going to get to that in just a moment as we look at our next problem and how Jesus uh, fits that. This is a very beautiful picture here in Patriarchs and Prophets about, do you remember the story in the Old Testament about the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day that was a It was a symbol for the presence of God, and it would lead and guide where they were to go. The whole camp of the Israelites, when this this cloud would would pick up from where it was located and begin to move forward, the Israelites would know to break camp and start following. And so it was a symbol that God was leading and guiding them. And this is just a powerful point here. In one of the most beautiful and comforting passages of Isaiah's prophecy— Reference is made to the pillar of cloud and a fire to represent God's care for his people in the great what struggle? Final struggle. That's where we are and where we're headed. In the final struggle with the powers of evil. And then she quotes Isaiah uh, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flame, uh, flaming fire by night. For above all the glory shall be a covering, and there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat, and for a place of refuge, and for a covert from storm and from rain. That same promise, I'm not sure if I'm 100% reading it correctly, is given to us that I don't know if we'll visibly see a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud as, as we see the final events unfolding that will lead and guide us, but the same assurance that was given back to his people of old is given to us that he will guide and lead and protect us in every way. It's there. It's right there. He will give that to us. All right, problem number four out of five. What about food and shelter? Provisions. I like to eat. You do too, I'm sure. So let's keep moving. Uh, But I like to eat spiritual food, right? That's what we're here for. I I want the spiritual food. Um, What about food and shelter? Tendency to get concerned when you read statements. This is from Desire of Ages 121, where it says, In the last great conflict of the controversy with Satan, those who are loyal to God will see every earthly support cut off. Every earthly support. We need to learn now not to just trust and depend on my, my bank account, my retirement account, my, my, my connections, my LinkedIn connections with people or whoever. Well, I know so-and-so, and they can fix, and they can, I'm not too worried about that, because no, I need to learn now to have a holy, complete trust and dependence on God because we're going to be living in a time when only he can provide for us. Because they refuse to break his law, this is God's law, in in obedience to earthly powers, they, God's people, will be forbidden to buy or sell. Forbidden to buy or sell, that's Revelation chapter 13 where it talks about that. 
but can Jesus provide for all of our needs? This was so exciting. As I, I was inspired by just studying for the sermon this week. I hope you get just a tiny bit of, of the way that it impacted me in, in what Jesus wants to do if I will walk and talk with him on a more daily, regular, moment-by-moment basis. Jesus can provide for all of our temporal and spiritual needs. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply how many of your needs? All of your needs, according to his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. Psalm 37.25, somebody sent me this verse years ago after I had resigned my job as a teacher and when I was waiting for the Hendersonville Church to call me as a pastor. And for six months, I had no job. I had no income. I had no, no insurance, no, any, any, no house even. And yet, they sent this verse to me, and it was so true. Six months without a job, and yet, here's what it says in Psalm 37.25. David wrote this psalm, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, which is his children, doing what? Begging for bread. I'm starving, I'm so hungry, I just need some crumbs, and he is saying, I have never seen that happen. Why? Because God has provided for the needs of his people. I have not seen it, David says, because God provided for them. And Jesus, of course, says, in the context of the needs that we have, for, for clothing and for, for shelter and, and for those kind of provisions, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's one of the needs, the righteousness, the raiment of Christ. And then it says, in all these things, we forget sometimes that all these things are the provisions and the, the temporal needs that we have for food and drink and water and shelter. All those things shall be added or given unto you. So if we claim God's word, we will not need to worry. As it relates to the time of trouble, Isaiah 33, 16, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks, the strongholds of the rocks, the munitions. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be what? Do we believe the word of God? You know, God's given us examples. These are just some examples of his providing for our temporal needs. The miracle of the manna in the wilderness how long did, did this miracle last? Was it just one day or one week? It was for 40 years they were given this, this gift from God. In Psalms, it talks about the manna and calls it angels' food. Not because angels ate it, but because the angels provided it. They ate angels' food in the wilderness. You're out in a desert in the middle of nowhere, and you're getting food from God every day on a regular basis, except for on the Sabbath. And, but yet he provided for that as well. What about water from the rock? I'm thirsty. I need something to drink. Here you are in the middle of a desert with nothing around you and just, just rocks and dirt and sand, and the Lord is able to provide a waterfall and abundance of water at his word, at the power of his word. He can do it. And we don't know where we'll be facing exactly in our situations, but he can provide food and water for us. And then Elijah being fed by the ravens for, for quite a while. Uh, I don't know if it was for the whole three and a half years uh, of the, the time of the drought, but being fed by ravens, birds, bringing you food to eat. Bread shall be given him, his water shall be sure. God has said it. We can rest with confidence in his word, but we must know his word in order to exercise faith in that word and to have strength and character in our own lives. Problem number five, and maybe this is one that you didn't think was coming, but one that we all maybe worry and wonder about. I am a weak sinner. What if it comes up to the end and I come up short? 
What if, what if I, I give up the, the faith? What if I, what if I, I struggle with things and I, I have so many challenges and, and I, I give in to temptation and, and I struggle with, with certain things and besetting sins? Yes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone, including and maybe especially including your pastor. What does it say in Romans 3 verse 10? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not even one. All have sinned. That's a big problem, isn't it? But let's look at what Jesus has promised to do through his strength when we are connected with him and we stay connected to him on a daily basis. Jesus can empower you with his righteousness. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, receiving him in faith, trusting and just receiving him as their Savior, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those that receive him, it says he gives power to become his child. And that is not a, there's no deficiency in the power that God provides to, to overcome the challenges in our lives and to live a victorious life. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And then uh, we're told in Philippians 1.6, this is one of Dr. Tryon's two favorite Bible verses. The other one is Psalm 16.11, but it says, being confident of this very thing. What are we confident in? Ourselves? My ability to do this or that and to have extra Bible studies or extra prayer time? What am I confident in? Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you. Every single one of you here in the church today, I believe God has begun a good work in you. That's why you're here. Every single one of you. And those of you watching online, he has begun a good work in you as well. Now, what is he able to do? He is able to perform and to bring to fruition, to bring to completion the salvation and the saving and the keeping of your souls until the day of Jesus Christ. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that, my soul, my my eternal life, that which I have committed unto him against that day when he comes again very soon. That is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He is able to do that. And so our trust and our assurance is always found in him. He is never going to let you go. He's never going to let you come up to the end and slip away and fall away from the precious truth of following Jesus. He's not going to let it happen. What do we find in Jude? Now we're moving to Miss Doris's favorite Bible verse. Jude chapter 1, verse 24. There's only one chapter. Jude verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. He is able to do that. It doesn't say that you are able to. It says he is able to do that. And to present you faultless. He is able to do this work. He can keep you from falling and stumbling away. And he's able to perfect and develop when the day that Jesus comes the, to bring to his presence the very presence of God, um, which God is a consuming fire, which we cannot stand in his presence in our sinful state, but to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. And God is going to be joyful and excited about this. That reminds me of, of uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, where it talks about the Lord rejoicing over you with joy, that he is mighty to save. Zephaniah three seventeen. write it down. He is mighty and powerful to save. A gracious and powerful and merciful Savior we have. The Savior took upon himself the infirmities of humanity and lived a sinless life that men might have no fear that because of the weakness of human nature, they could not overcome. 
that fear should be banished and taken away, Jesus has given us an example of what is possible for every single one of us. No fear that because of our own weakness, my own, I have a weak, sinful nature, but he is able to subdue that through his mighty power and allow me to become a partaker of the divine nature. And his life declares that humanity combined with divinity does not commit sin connected to divinity. That is the connection. That is the walk with Jesus in a practical way every day that we have the power to overcome. And I'm sorry, this is a longer part. This is just the next paragraph. This is from Ministry of Healing, page 181. But it was so good, I had to include it anyway. So have mercy on me. But you need to hear this. This is very intensely practical and helpful. The Savior overcame to show man how he may overcome. How is it? How? All the temptations of Satan Christ met with what? It is with the Word of God. The Word of God, this is all, all, I mean, there's nothing that's left out. Everything that was brought at him when the devil threw the whole kitchen sink at him, he always had the Word of God to answer and to defend himself against Satan's attack. By trusting in God's promises, he received power to obey God's commandments, and the tempter could gain no advantage. To every temptation, his answer was, It is written. And then here's what I have underlined. So God has given us his word wherewith to resist evil. How we might resist evil the same way that Jesus did is by knowing what he has promised. The assurance he gives to us that he'll be with us always, even unto the end of the world. I'm always with you. And he will walk with us and help us to be faithful to him. So as we come to a close, what has Jesus already done for you? I'm I'm seeking to reach your hearts this morning as my heart is moved and touched by Jesus, our precious Savior. Voluntarily, Jesus left the glory of heaven to come on a rescue mission to save you. No need to doubt that he won't accept you and that he won't carry you through the hardships that you're facing. What else has Jesus done? He lived a perfect life of obedience to God, and he offers to give us that perfect life of righteousness and to empower us to live in the same way. What else? He died a cruel death to pay for you, to buy you, to purchase and redeem your life and to pay for all of your sins that you've ever done. And yes, maybe that you ever will commit, but he has paid the price because he wants you. He's given you that evidence that he wants you to be with him. He was resurrected to a life of glory and power to share with you. In the power of his resurrection, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, Uh, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, uh, that we might understand the power that he gives us to live a holy and godly life. Jesus, even now, is interceding on our behalf, and he is cleansing us from all sin, as that is his work as our high priest in the sanctuary in heaven. Yes, friends, brothers and sisters, I should say, Jesus has done it all. He has paid it all. He has given all so that all of us can live with him forever and ever and go through whatever we have to face. We come back to our our key verse again. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things, all things that pertain and relate unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. He has called us this morning, brothers and sisters, to glory of his character, to represent him and his perfect life. 
One more quote, and then I have one verse, and I'm done. Steps of Christ 125, I had this in the newsletter a few weeks ago, but not everybody gets the newsletter. I finished reading this, and uh, this was so powerful. As the book closes, Steps to Christ, it says, we cannot but look forward to new perplexities in the coming conflict. And we're going to continue in our series as we study more about these coming events. There are perplexities and serious things in front of us. But we may look on what is past as well as on what is to come and say, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. That's 1 Samuel 7, verse 12. From the past to the present, God has helped us. And then she quotes Deuteronomy 33, 25, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Do you know what that's saying? As long as you are alive, as long as you have days that you are living, so shall the strength be from God to live that day and to live with him and the power to face whatever comes that day. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. And then here comes the precious promise from the counsel of the, uh, the Lord's servant. The trial will not exceed the strength that shall be given us to bear it. Mm-mm. The trial, whatever we face, and we don't know. I don't know what I'm going to face. But it will not exceed the strength that shall be given us to bear it. Then let us take up our work just where we find it, believing that whatever may come, strength proportionate to whatever that trial is, will be given. Jesus has promised he will give us the strength we need to face whatever it is. Have you read in the other places where it says the martyrs did not have the faith to suffer some of these cruel deaths and these these terrible persecutions until the time came when it was necessary for them to make that, that choice and that sacrifice? And then the grace and then the strength was given, but we want to be daily cultivating those graces, though, by walking with Jesus. And so Jesus tells us, I am with you. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, to the very end, through all the final events that are yet to come, I am with you. And so Jesus can help us with our fears and tells us we should not fear because he's with us. He can help us with protection. We have the assurance that he will protect us and may not be in the way that we might choose initially, but we know that God would never lead us otherwise than we would choose to be led if we could see the end from the beginning. We know that God will give us guidance. He will guide us in making decisions and let us know when to make these important decisions about uh, the future and the events that are to happen. He'll, he'll let us know if we're asking and seeking daily. And then number four, temporal needs. What, what we have are provisions. He can provide food in the desert, water in the desert, Wherever we are, he can provide food. We don't need to worry about that. He will provide if we just follow his voice and his leading. And then my weak and and sinful nature, Jesus gives us the ability and the power to overcome in a connection with him. That connection is always based on faith and what he tells us in his word. Always based on the assurance of what he tells us in the scriptures. Oh, Father in heaven, we want to go anywhere that Jesus leads us, no matter where it is. We would never choose to follow our own way, but follow where we know Jesus would lead us in the path that is best for us to develop our characters, to grow our trust and our dependence on him. Lord, help us to walk with Jesus even now, this moment, today, and throughout this coming week, and through all the course of time until Jesus comes again. We trust you. We love you. Help us to have stronger faith and belief in you is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio 
and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.